1: Brian Finch and I don't know shit about cooking. Hi, I'm Matt Johnson and I definitely don't know shit about cooking. Welcome into These Guys Don't Know Shit, a podcast for people that don't know shit and want to know a little something about that shit. So today, uh, i got my friend Matt Johnson here. Uh, if you're familiar with the network, uh, you're very familiar with his voice and the man's background. But real quick, let's uh, do a quick rundown of what you do, Matt. What, uh, what, what's your podcast hosting oh, uh,
0: duties? Jesus. Uh, it's way too much. It is a lot. Uh, I have like six shows, uh, Two Point Conversation, which runs five to six days a week, the panel discussion, Retro Pop, Eat Sleep List, Colts Fans in Bill's Land, uh, crafting and drafting, of course, with you, Brian. And uh, I feel like I'm probably forgetting something. Yeah, problem. Yeah, I got a lot on my plate. I got a lot on my plate. But I ran, I ran uh, I out have, of fingers. Uh, <laughs> I do run the network at at uh, at our. Uh, I do run our network at bicbp-radio.com. Uh, tons of podcasts for for everybody. We got a lot of great people running shows on our network, and uh, we're very, very excited for what the, the future of our podcast network holds. So Absolutely. please check it out.
1: Absolutely. So, man, uh, we're very comfortable recording podcasts with each other. So uh, Yeah. Reaching out to you wasn't that hard. Uh, when I first pitched this show, I was interested to find out what kind of formats, what kind of uh, subjects we would find ourselves in. So today we find ourselves in... I hope in a little way is our most unique recording situation <laughs> uh, Matt what what are we learning today
0: what you said in the intro it's but- the intro yeah how to cook um, I've never been a like a culinary guy yeah like not at all I never really you know I was so privileged <laughs> uh, <laughs> my, my parents were very you know took good care of us and stuff I was never really I like, had a struggle and and just because it everything just happened so naturally I you know I, I didn't have interest in, in cooking. It was never like a, a necessity for me. So, um, you know, you get a little desperate. Like when I started to li- live on my own, you know, you make like uh, peanut butter and jelly quesadillas for dinner and, yeah. um, you know, that sort of thing. Real, like, yeah. That's very cool. inventive. You like that? Yeah, I do like I got to create a mind. I just can't like make good food. That's, that's, pre- that's pretty much why we're here. So. Well, that is why we're here.
1: And uh, when Matt brought it up that we were going to do learn from an expert how to be more proficient in the kitchen, I said, I got the guy. Uh, I am lucky enough to actually be able to call this man part of my family. And I've not only enjoyed his cooking at home at his house, which is always delicious, but also uh, out at his restaurants that he has worked at. Phenomenal chef. Very lucky to have today, Shay Zapia. Shay, how are you doing?
2: Good. And apparently I know shit about cooking. Yeah, you do. I guess uh, I fit the bill, right? And just to talk about your uh, peanut butter and jelly quesadilla, there's nothing wrong with pan-frying peanut butter and jelly sandwich.
0: Think. think See, I, I feel no, I feel better. I feel better. I mean,
2: I mean that's really a quesadilla is a grilled cheese and a tortilla, right? Yeah. So, peanut butter and jelly. I used to do it. Usually I was under the influence or something, but it's still delicious. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you maybe already feel a whole lot. You made me feel like I sort of know a little bit, uh, like a little shit about cooking. Yeah. Um, so, I feel a little bit better. Well, I, that's
2: the base of cooking, right? It's just going with feeling, first and foremost. Okay, yeah. You know, yeah. knowledge comes after. I wasn't born with the knowledge. You know, you learn that. But I had an interest in it and just, you know, it started with a, a feel and I think that's where uh, people kind of overanalyze how hard cooking is instead of just going with it. Yeah. You know, taking risks and, and things like that because, honestly, as much as you said that my food tastes good, there was plenty of times in my life where my food tastes like absolute shit, too. You know, so, uh, you just got to go for it. You got to go for it. And that's what—that's the cool thing about cooking, too. You know, not to get all artsy and shit like that, but any form of art, you know, you just got to Put yourself
1: out there, right? Yeah. Uh, so, let's get into Shay's background. Uh, I, I know that you were brought up in it. It, it is part of your family fiber. Yeah. Um, speak on that for just a little bit.
2: Sure. Well, I mean, go way back, um, you know, my dad worked for his dad. They owned a, a restaurant slash pizzeria in South Buffalo. Villa. Um. So, you know, my dad was running the kitchen at, God, I think he was like 15, 16 years old, running the the pizza line and stuff like that. Um, But it was also kind of like a casual, you know, you know, your typical red sauce type. Back then it was like Lenovo, Jacoby's, they're still around today, right? You know, Villa unfortunately isn't. Um, and neither is my grandfather. So, <laughs> uh, but you know, my dad went off to do other things and stuff like that. But in his heart, was you know, he always wanted to, to own and run a restaurant again. Um, and I think in 1998, he bought a just a shot and gin or a shot and beer place in uh, in Lancaster. And you know, over the course of ten years, we evolved it into like a casual fine dining type type place with a martini bar and stuff like that. So I kind of it was like grassroots, you know. Came up as a, a dishwasher at 13 and started cooking, realizing that I, I liked cooking. I liked doing what I was doing. But, um, you know, I, I, what did I say? Maybe 15, 16, I figured out, like, this is this is what I want to do. This is what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Like So, like, high school kind of took, like, a backseat, <laughs> you know. Like, I already knew what I was going to do, so um, I didn't see the importance of quadratic equations, (laughs) you know. Um, So, you know, working for my dad and stuff like that, I mean, I have no regrets with it, but, I mean, it taught me a lot, but also, you know, kept me in Lancaster, kept me in Buffalo and stuff like that. So I guess the only regret I had is that I didn't get out there and travel. But also I carry a chip on my shoulder because that means, like, whatever talent I do have or any accolades I do have as a chef and stuff like that. It's, like, I know that I did it myself, you know, self-taught. So. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So we were going to get into uh, trying to teach. Like, I admitted that I don't know shit about cooking, but, like, I need to see Matt excel at, at, at a dish here. <laughs> it is my goal to leave this podcast and uh, have my guests feel like they have learned something something. satisfactorily yeah Yeah. so i i think that's what we'll do now we we're here at the prep station right i'm I'm using proper term yeah whatever (laughs) so we're at the prep station and what are we making for uh, Matt today, what does Matt
2: diving into? Well, I was I was running through a couple ideas. All right, what, you know what the hell am I going to make? What can these guys actually make, right? And, and and what guy doesn't like a good steak, right? Oh, but yeah. also, I mean, as a chef growing up and, and and stuff like that, I mean, probably one of the most common questions or or inquiries I get is, you know, how do you cook a really good steak? Yeah, yeah. you know, do you need the fire up the grill when it's what was it negative five the other day? You know, do you really need to go through all that stuff? Can you do it in the house? Can you do it in a pan? How long? Or what time? All this stuff. You know, but Buffalo's a meat and potato type place. Right. Right? So we're going to do a really good um, New York style strip steak. Ooh. we got some baby broccoli here. Uh, we're going to do some uh, potatoes. Like I said, meat and potatoes. We're just going to uh, do some like roasted. These are baby Yukon gold potatoes. And a little bit of mushrooms to go over the steak. You know, and just teach you how to kind of go through the whole process without making a huge fucking mess <laughs> and uh, cutting yourself and, and, and stuff like that. So um, I figured who doesn't want to know how to cook a restaurant-style
1: steak? Right. You know? So if you're going to be doing an up, an more upskill cooking, and that's mm-hmm. your goal, like we're trying to learn today, mm-hmm. uh, Matt,
0: uh, do you have would you would consider good cooking utensils at home my wife does my wife definitely has them whether she uh lets me use them or not that's the uh that's the next question (laughs) uh uh, give the give the folks that don't know the background on what your wife does so she's actually uh she's she's in color as well she she, has her own cafe in Niagara falls why the fuck she ain't here (laughs) (laughs) i know right uh, she has her own uh, place, uh, Amy Co. Cafe. Uh, she does breakfast stuff. It's uh, 6926 Buffalo Avenue in Niagara Falls. No so, kidding. Yeah, she's...
2: Uh, I used to work in Niagara Falls. Did you? I ran uh, SAVER at Niagara Falls Culinary Institute. Oh, no kidding. On Fall Street.
0: Okay. Yeah, ran there for about three years. Okay. Yeah, yeah she... Uh, she Graduated from Ntrip with her with all that right before the the new Culinary Institute opened up. Okay, so she's yeah. at the old. She was so she probably out. knows a lot of, like Scott Steiner and and
2: John Matuico and. It's quite of, possible. Yeah, she graduated. That,
0: yeah. We graduated 2009 from okay. high school and then she probably graduated college from Ntrip. Guarantee she, she knows. That, so. I mean
2: Scott was one of my biggest mentors. Okay. No me. Growing up, I actually competed. Scott was my coach, so I was like 19, and. Mm-hmm. So I went to culinary school at ECC um, as, like, a formality because my dad didn't like that I wasn't going to college. So when I graduated high school, I just went right into the restaurant. You know, so I was like, all right, I'll I'll go to ECC. And uh, I had a natural talent just from working in the restaurant and stuff like that and was recommended to try out for the uh, American Culinary Federation's hot food team, which Scott Steiner, who taught at, uh, uh, well, now at NFCI, but at the time he was at the Harkness Center. And but we're all tied in with the American Culinary Federation. All the guys from Pentrip. so I guarantee she knows a lot of the guys that I kind of grew up and mentored me at a at a young age. Small world, yeah. 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 Certainly is. is. Certainly is. So back to the food.
1: Yes. Yeah. So you're set up because of a unique situation, but a typical bachelor. Uh, that maybe listening to this that wants to impress some ladies, right? That's sure. A good way to, men. Well, they say they always say <laughs> the, the weight of a man's heart is through his stomach, but I've that's always, debatable. Yeah. <laughs> all right, we all know the real way. <laughs> but, but today we're, uh, we're 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 honing different skills than maybe that would require, so. Good essentials for at home cooking mm-hmm. to make your life easier when attempting to make more upscale, more challenging dishes.
2: Sure. So I mean I mean not not so much just upscale, let's just say restaurant quality. Gotcha. Okay? Because I mean upscale can we could get into like some really elaborate shit, and I don't think we want to do that. We just want to, you know, focus on the basics. Yeah. But Restaurants use a (laughs) lot of ingredients in abundance that you don't necessarily think to at home, you know. Um, But they also have things in the kitchen that are a certain grade of quality when it comes to pans, cutting boards, knives, and and, and stuff like that. I think that's really the differentiator in food at home and food in the restaurant, you know. So I think, uh, you know, I've done a lot of, like, you know, private cooking, you know, dinners and classes and, and stuff like that. And one thing that I've noticed, or not one thing, but the, the biggest things that I noticed is um, lack of a decent set of knives, which means you don't have to, like, go out and spend $500 on a set of knives, right. you know, but even Kohl's has some decent options. Yep. You know, I mean, just, just a decent set of knives, understand how to use it, understand, uh, you know, how to condition it. Don't just bang it around in a drawer and stuff like that. Keep it, keep it, keep, you need a good knife. You know, in culinary school, they always stress that uh, a sharp knife is safer than a, a dull knife. That's right. Simply because it slides off a of product and when it cuts into your hand... That's a lot harder to stitch and a clean cut and stuff right. like that. So honestly, a sharp knife makes a, the job a lot easier, and the right knife for the job. Yeah. So do you need you know you know a whole knife roll and a knife bag of, of different things? But you know you need a you know maybe a paring knife, a boning knife, and a good quality chef knife or something like this. Um, those of you I have no idea what I just hung up. So. <laughs> and irrelevant
1: it's a big knife
2: yeah I mean honestly this isn't that big I, hold on one the, second I, I
1: always call those at home those are my vegetable choppers so, like, these are my names yeah see here we go
2: yeah, you know, to, to some they're short. She's
1: got them laid out. Um, <laughs> really, if you're a fan of Dexter, you know Dexter. <laughs> uh, she just yeah. laid them out on this metal tray, and they're yeah. all like organized by size. <laughs> he keeps wiping off the handle. Yeah, yeah, saying something about fingerprints. I don't know <laughs> right? <laughs>
0: Dude,
2: Dexter, are you guys into it?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. That, that was, finale. finale was
0: amazing. And, yeah, I'm not... Nah, nah, right? uh, I struggled. It was much. good, but it's,
1: it
2: felt more like a miniseries than anything. Like I was like, but it, it rectified the, the last season. Anyways, okay. back to cooking. Yeah, so, we're,
1: uh, we're uh, big fans of Dexter on this podcast.
2: <laughs> hence the <laughs> knives, right? <laughs> so a good, a good knife, just a, 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 a decent knife. Cutting boards. Um, I'm going to show you a, a cutting board they make. They make cutting boards. They make cutting boards with like rubber legs on each corner. Um, a lot of things. Even when I used to uh, teach culinary school and stuff, you know, if you look under my cutting boards, there's always like a rag under it, and that keeps it from moving when you're when you're chopping. You know, you just put a plastic cutting board on a hard, non-porous surface. It's gonna move around on you. A, you're not gonna be able to cut shit. Or The only thing you're going to cut is yourself. I did just learn something already. Yeah, there you go. So always anchor your cutting board down or invest in a cutting board that has, like, some sort of, like, uh, rubber leg or or whatever on the bottom. It's hard to explain what this looks like to you guys out there, but... No,
1: I think think that's a, a great description for it. Right? So, but also,
2: the size of the cutting board. You know, you want to leave yourself with enough... I know we're cooking at home so counter space is, is is very valuable real estate you got coffee makers toasters and everything else over but you still want a cutting board that has enough surface area to both handle the job that you're doing and the end result and the scraps that come off of it and what i mean by that is like you know take take an onion for example you're dicing an onion so, you, what's the first step? Is you peel the onion. The onion peels go one way. The onion stays in the center. You chop the onion up. You got your finished product, and then you got your scrap. You know. So you want you don't want that all over the counter, right. and you don't want to have to turn around and find your garbage can every time you cut into something. So, right. you know, a cutting board is. Basically, the the nucleus of your prep station, yep. right? Campus in a way too, essentially. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the cleaner the cutting board and, and, and all that stuff, it, it, it shows your ingredients and, and, and things like that, and those are important things in a commercial kitchen. Is is, is seeing your ingredients laid out? Um, there's a French word called mise en place mm-hmm. uh, that you may or may not be familiar with and that just means that everything in its place yep. so keep that in mind as we go through all this that everything has a place everything needs to be in place or your job's going to just fall to shit right okay so cutting board knives and then of course um secondly the pans what are you cooking in yep. okay um again I understand that, you know, not everyone could go out and go to Williams-Sonoma and spend $1,000 on La Crusade or copper or whatever, but, you know, I use cast iron at home and they're, and re- they're relatively inexpensive, um, but they're absolutely indestructible. Right. They take time to kind of get used to using and stuff like that, but if that's not your bag, cool. Just get a decent, you know, non-stick, Teflon-coated, you know, frying pan. Something that, you know, is of some quality, but you know, within your budget. You know, don't don't go buy some Farberware shit that's in the middle of Tops next to the baking and McCormick's places <laughs> and shit like that.
0: You know. I just like, um, now does it affect the, the cooking at all, like timing, f- maybe flavor, like a case, cast iron. Get, well, I mean, whatever kind yes. of pan you use. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean, I think so because you know, depending on what you're doing, so if you're searing a steak or or something like that, I mean, the better the pan, basically it comes down to like even heat distribution. Okay. Okay, so when you use like a cheaper pan, it's like a thinner metal or it's like cheap metal or something like that, so the heat might, you know, be hotter over here or just completely warp the pan in general and you just, you know, it's almost like, I mean, if you put a, a piece of tin over a fire and try to like cook something on it, I mean, it's just, kind of the same thing you know I so the you. more resilient and the more like so like cast iron it's, it's like layers of iron and layers of iron right so like the more the heat comes into it it's evenly distributed out through the pan okay. you know so same thing with any other it doesn't necessarily have to be cast iron but any really pan uh, you know as long as it holds the heat and distributes it distribute it evenly you know the better so i mean you could get something that's you know in the range in the cast iron or something like that. But it'll last forever. That's the thing. It's like, oh, I'm not going to buy all these. I barely really you know, ever cook. It's like, well, make that investment. You'll never really have to make that investment again. Like, these knives have been with me since I was 26 years old. Right. You know, and they'll still cut your arm off. Yeah. You know, hashtag Dexter. Dexter. (laughs) (laughs) Um... So, invest in a little bit of, uh, of quality equipment, but, you know, if you're just starting out, you know, don't go too high, but, you know, everyone has a Kohl's coupon nowadays, you know, yeah. And, and, yeah. and Rachel Ray shit really isn't that bad. <laughs> it's really not that bad. It's, it's the true. It's so, true. Um, yeah. So, I mean, those are probably the three things that I notice when I'm in other people's kitchens that they just, like, spend absolutely no time on is, you know, the fact that they, they have crap knives, you know, cutting boards that aren't the right size or just that slide all around or or whatever. And then their their cookware is just a mismatched pile of shit, you know, to be honest. So I think those are the three biggest things. I mean, other than that, it just depends on on what you're cooking. Yeah. And then, you know, you add to your collection as you go, and you get more comfortable and you want to try this and, you know, maybe a Dutch oven or or whatever it
1: may be. Yeah. You know? Well, I got to solve If you're going to do a pop roast, got to have a solid Dutch on it.
2: Got to have a solid Dutch on it. Yeah.
1: Wife never complained.
2: (laughs) That's good. I got one. I got one. Tony bought it for me. I I don't got it. I don't know. A couple years ago. It was a Food Network one. Thing has been through hell. Yeah. I mean, I cook hard. (laughs) You know, the thing thing is beautiful. Right. Nice enamel. It's cast iron, but the enamel cast iron. Yep.
1: That's what we got. Yeah. Yeah. Knock someone out with one of those. Mm. So I know as a. uh, a layman that uh, is interested in cooking. That's that's how I've always. I've never educated myself further than I needed to. Mm-hmm. But I, I care about what I put out in front of people. Yes. The one thing I've I've made a uh, Chrissy and I, my wife, have made a big um, stink about is when you see salt and pepper shakers on a table. Mm-hmm. And if you come over to my house you will not see a salt and pepper shaker on the table when I serve when you have dinner with me. Right. And the reason is, is because I bought into you season the food while you're cooking. Sure. It. So maybe that's a big thing that sets people apart that maybe they can start thinking about. Sure. I mean the, the thing is, you know,
2: coming from a restaurant mentality is the is always right. Yeah. You know, so like we season things to, to our taste, how we how we perceive them as, as, as they should be. Um, you know, but if Someone's a salt freak or, you know, whatever, and they want to add a little bit. Whatever. So I was never one of the chefs that salt and pepper doesn't belong on my table because yeah. I'm that fucking good, you know? <laughs> it's not about me. It's about this asshole loves fucking salt, like, yeah. way too much, and he's going to die in a couple of years because of it, right? So, like, let him have all the salt he wants, you know? But, no, you're right. Um, season as you go. Season to taste. Um outside of uh, like your equipment and the cutting boards and the knives and the in the pans and stuff like that I think probably the biggest hang-up is people trying to follow recipes you know um, and which is great you know follow a recipe fine but if you're gonna sit there and have all your ingredients laid all out and you're gonna take a look at step one and then do it and then go back and do step two you're gonna be there all Fucking day. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So read the recipe in its entirety before you pick up a knife, before you take anything out of the refrigerator. Because yeah. the thing is, is houses, you know, working in com- commercial kitchens, you can sit there and go into the walk-in, we have walk-in coolers, right? Like, you have a refrigerator at home. <laughs> you know, so it's a it's a lot different. We can right. go in and grab everything we need for the recipe, right? Bring it out to our workstation. How big are how, how big are these work tables that we're working on? This is six foot by you know two and a half feet, right? Who has that to work on it? Right. That's
1: exactly. completely designated to just to just
2: cooking, time. yes, yeah. and or cutting and chopping and and things like that. So read through the recipe, understand what you're going to need for those first two steps. Understand where everything else is. You know, but everything doesn't have to just be thrown all out on the the counter and stuff like that because then you're just working on top of mess, on top of mess, on top of mess. So that's probably one of the the biggest things, too. It's like, yeah, I get it. You know, someone might have to follow a recipe on how to cook a steak and some potatoes and mushrooms or whatever. Cool. But just read it in its entirety. Don't do step by step because it'll literally take you something that will take me and eventually, hopefully, you, you know, maybe 20 minutes or a half hour. You're looking at an hour and a half. Yeah. And then not only that, after it's done, you had a great meal, right? What's the last thing you feel like fucking doing? Clean it up. Exactly. So if your shit is everywhere and you just had this great meal and then you're looking over, it's like, oh my god, I'm never doing <laughs> this again.
1: Yeah, I need so, I need to get better at that. Cleaning
2: as you go. You I'm gotta hard. man. You gotta. I mean so I mean that's the thing, is like that's what discourages I think a lot of people too from cooking at home. Is not so much the actual doing it is fun, especially if you're doing it with your wife or whatever, yeah. and the kids and stuff like that. It's cool. It's afterwards, because you know we're guys. No <laughs> one you need a big steak. You know, you're just like, oh, that chair looks really good yeah. right now. You know, like, but no, you gotta you gotta clean up. So I mean, if it's a couple things, you just gotta wipe up and put away. Cool. You know, so so don't overwhelm yourself with just like throwing shit all over the place. Read the recipe, know what you need at that moment, and what the next step is. You know, I mean, especially... I mean, it's, it's happened with me more with, like, baking and stuff like that. It's like, oh, fuck, I didn't read step three. Right. I didn't do that. Now now I'm, like, I'm too deep in. You know, I'm yeah. too deep in. Like, yeah. oh, fuck, and everything falls apart, right? So, I mean, that's that's the biggest thing. But for here... Uh, like I said, we're we're a blue collar town. We're gonna uh, we're gonna do just steak and potatoes, a little bit of baby broccoli. and We're gonna do some nice sauteed mushrooms to go over the steak. I think everyone can relate to that yeah. and, and enjoy that, and would love to make that on a you know a Saturday night or after you know the Bills win the Super Bowl or or whatever else.
1: Right. So not yeah. the Colts.
2: <laughs> yep. Oh. I meant to ask that in the in the opening. Yeah. Colts fans in Bills land. You're yeah. a Colts fan. Yeah, I am. Yeah, I'm starting to have fucking reservations. <laughs> 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 oh, actually, I'm actually no, I'm actually I'm actually glad you guys lost. Not because. No, I am. I'm it. just exactly. glad I was actually really nervous to play you guys if yeah. we had to meet shit. Yeah. 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 He, he's
1: going. I mean, be, I have to say that you, you guys whipped our game, ass. So. So. You know. Yeah. So. yeah. He's going to be on his best behavior.
2: We'll see. It's all good. <laughs> are, you, are you are you from Buffalo? Oh yeah, the uh, Niagara Falls on my. Leg. How does How do the Colts Peyton? Yeah, all right, that's understandable. Yeah. I lo- I love Peyton too. It's uh yeah, hard not to hard not to. All right, so um, do you want to get started cooking? Or?
1: Let's do it. Yeah, let's get right into
2: it. All right, so we're gonna take a look at our ingredients. Okay, so again, we got a New York strip steak right here. This is uh, broccolini, as it's called. All it is is just baby broccoli. Yukon Gold potatoes. These are shallots, pretty much a cross between garlic and onion. Mm. Nice base flavor. we got some mushrooms here. Because this is a prep station, I already have my salt, pepper, and oil. But one of the biggest differentiators between restaurant food and at-home food is the copious amounts of butter we use in restaurants. Oh. So there's a lot. It's like, I mean, the restaurant that I was, I was running... That Brian mentioned earlier, um, I think we would go through, like, 72 pounds of butter a week just just on the line. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was just butter and everything, butter and everything, yes. you know. So, butter, fat is flavor, okay? Yeah. So, And right now, we can all use a little little, little flavor, a little fat. So, we got some butter here. So, we got our shrimp steak. We got our baby broccoli, shallots, potatoes and mushrooms so again we're not going off a recipe so we're just going to kind of freestyle this and uh i'm just basically going to kind of walk him through it like he was an intern for me
1: yeah
2: okay so first things first this is all about <laughs> first things first we always want to start with what is going to take the longest okay right so potatoes probably being the thing that's going to take the longest on this because what we're going to do is we're going to blanch these potatoes so we're using yukon gold potatoes they're baby or b-sized potatoes which means it's a, a smaller potato so with this potato they have a really they're they're young potatoes right so there's a lot of sugar in them so they're sweet and they're creamy and stuff like that so the best way to bring these out is we're going to parboil them right um, get them softened up, and then we're going to roast them. So you get almost like that French fry, crispy coating, soft inside. Alright. You know, but just with a, a diced potato. So what we need is a pot, and right behind you down there with the blue handles, grab all of them, you might as well just all bring them. them all out. All right,
1: so Matt's getting into it. He's actually like sous-chefing right now. <laughs>
2: So let's grab one, you want one that's gonna fit the amount of potatoes plus cover them um, with a good amount of water. So this one looks like it's it's gonna be good. And I'll run through the first cut. So they're all gonna be different sizes, but you know, relatively you don't you, you wanna try to get them as uniform as possible. Okay? So we're just gonna quarter them because it's gonna cook a little bit faster that way, but you could leave them halved if you want. Okay. So quarter means cut in fourths. So we're gonna do that, and we're gonna put it in the pan.
1: Sure. So I like to watch a show called Worst Cooks in America. Yeah. With Anne Burrell. Burrell,
2: Burrell yeah. Yeah, she's she, from Syracuse. Is she?
1: Yeah. I love that. So she keeps a red marker in her hand. And if you're cutting improperly, she'll come over and mark your finger. Because a lot of people like to grab the handle mm-hmm. with their three fingers, you know, pinky, ring, middle. Right. And then grip it with their thumb. Right. Just like a drummer would with a, a drumstick kind of in the way. Right. And then the pointer finger ends up on top of the knife. Right. And she always she marks it red. Right. So is that something that you would ever – because uh, well, Brian Aquila, who – that's my brother-in-law, right. who had background in cooking as well. He always said that he'd rather someone be comfortable holding the knife than a proper cutting technique.
2: I mean, there's, there's, there's definitely there's – definitely, I think it's a good point. But what's even worse than that is not securing what you're cutting before you cut it. So let's say you're – so a, a potato is round. Yeah. So if you're holding your knife up here and you're applying force to it on the potato that you're not securing with your, your hand, this potato's going to move around. Okay. And if you guys look, you see all those scars right yeah. there? That's from potatoes rolling and my knife going on top of my finger, okay. right? So there's a, a simple way to, to go about this. And you use these three fingers, almost like a three-point stance, like in football, right? Yep, so pointer, so you, middle. You hide, you hide these two behind the middle, right? Just like that, and you curl your fingernails in. When you hold your knife, choke up like like a bat, almost to your your uh, pointer fingers under under the the back of the blade. This is called like the bolster, all right? Okay. So so right there, and you want a firm firm grip. So when you when you cut. You have these two fingers behind this finger, your fingernails fingernails curled in, and you rest the blade up against the flat part of your finger. Yeah. That way as you go down, you're never in jeopardy of cutting down on your fingertips. But also, try not to and I know we're cutting something higher than the blade can go, but if you notice, like I don't bring the tip of the knife off the cutting board. Because you have no control. Someone bumped into you, or for any reason or whatever. If this knife is up here and you're on that downward motion and you're here, ah. so I always leave the tip on the cutting board. I bring up my elbow and I slice through. Yeah, right? That is
1: a great tip.
0: Okay, so tip. It's
2: kind of a rocking tip, motion. Yep, yeah, there you go. And then slice and push through. There you go. Yeah, okay, cool. And it, I mean, it might be uncomfortable at first.
0: But, yeah, um, it's one of those things. You gotta get a habit,
2: right? But it doesn't at home. You know, you don't have. Twenty tickets in the window and waitresses screaming at you. Mm-hmm. So there's no rush. No, you know, right. there's no and, rush. And
1: enjoy enjoy the learning process. Right. So if you're tuned into this podcast mm-hmm. and you are struggling with enjoying how to learn something, this may not be the podcast for you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Good disclaimer. Yeah, this only is, half an hour. I this oh, is yeah. this is all about all right.
1: having uh, okay, cool. The the mentality of wanting to be better at something. Sure. And it, the only way to be better is to one make mistakes and two take the time to
2: learn it right and another another crucial point he's looking around for something to clean the knife right yep so and that's part my fault before you start a job you always have uh like a sanitation bucket or something like that at home obviously you're not going to do that stuff but what my tip is to have one wet rag yeah and i'll grab that for you sure um, but have one dry rag The so dry rag is meant for nothing but grabbing hot pans, everyone, you know, wants an oven glove and stuff like that. Rags are a lot easier to use. Yeah. If you ever use a wet rack and grab anything hot, you're going to pay for it for about three days because that heat transfers through the water and actually give you a steam burn all the way through. Totally leave it try. So you okay. have one to, you know, to clean the starch off the knife. That's cool, right? And we, we leave that um, over here, and that's to, to clean up after ourselves. You know, or at home, I use Lysol wipes. Okay. So my Lysol wipes, are, you know, I clean up after myself, but I always have my my dry rag handy, and that just helps me, you know, move hot pans and stuff like that. I just fold it over like this, and it's a lot easier than having to slide a glove on and, and everything else. Right. So always have your, your side we call them side towels in the kitchen. Because they hang off our aprons on the side of our bodies. Oh, okay. <laughs> side towels. So knife out of the way, right? We're done using that for now, okay? So all we're going to do is uh, all right, these our cut. So we're going to just kind of slide these into our, our pot, right? Uh, go fill it up with a little bit of water. Sure. All right, just make sure that they're covered stuff. by about an inch. An inch, okay.
1: Okay, so you said that we're going to blanch them first. Yes. So what does that mean?
2: Blanching means basically part cooking. Okay, so with a potato especially, if you're just going to go from the raw state into the oven, um, what's going to happen is it'll get crispy on the outside, but you'll kind of see it like it gets hard before the inside gets like nice and crispy, and you lose a lot of the the water and the sugars and the starches that are inside of the potato. So you kind of get like a sunken in, dried up, yeah. Is that right? Yep, yep. Cool. Let's we're gonna, gonna put it on, it
0: on it the stove. Here. Oh, it looks
1: great. Right? And we're gonna fire that up. Okay. All right, so we got the potatoes right. on, they're they are boiling, they're gonna start boiling away here.
2: So basically what this does, for blanching the potatoes, it's gonna cook Essentially, what is the inside of the potato, right? So it makes it light and fluffy. And then when we add it to the oven, put it in the oven, and we add like olive oil or yeah. seasoning or whatever, the outside is gonna crisp up, and the inside is gonna stay nice and light and fluffy. Perfect. Right? Um,
0: what so, temperatures I said I have to know, I mean, it's So this, is roughly, where, I mean, roughly.
2: honestly, like for this, because we wanna bring it up to a boil, so we're gonna jack it up as high as it goes. Okay. But as it goes on, we're gonna, I just pulled out some salt. Um, I use kosher salt. Okay, iodized salt—it's just so strong. Um, this spreads so much even e- evenly over your 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 products. You can see it. And oh, it looks has, like granulated sugar. Yeah, it has. I mean, you can see the flakes in it. It has a lot better flavor, a lot better texture. Um, so kosher salt, honestly, I mean, there's there's uses for iodized salt in like baking and stuff like that. So you know, it, it absorbs water uh, better, um, but. Kosher salt for me, just the flavor and everything um, about it. It's a, definitely what I would use rather than your table salt. Yeah. Okay. And,
1: and as a uh, amateur, I would use it just because I can say that I'm cooking kosher.
2: <laughs> there you go. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah.
1: So what I'm going to do is I'm salting the water.
2: So this is going to actually help enhance the overall flavor of the potatoes on the on the final product. Right. Um, but. And vegetables, and we're going to get at that in one second. It adds flavor but also retains that nice green color, too. Okay. You know, so if you were ever just to, to blanch your vegetables, what we're going to do in a second because we're going to grab another pot, fill it up with a little bit more um, water, probably about three quarters of the way three up. Three quarters, yep. yep.
1: Maybe next time you won't pick something that's so work uh, involved. <laughs> Look at all these things you got oh, my, running around it. the kitchen. You're liking it, I love it. I don't know shit about watching movies. <laughs> I don't know shit about scratching my ass. Uh, so one thing that happened, uh, and I, I feel like mentioning now, you uh, already opened up your steak package and uh-huh. you set it out because this is one thing I know that's a good want- observation from wanting to cook a good steak. You want it as close to room temperature sure. as possible. Absolutely. Yeah. So if you keep it in the fridge and then go straight to the grill after seasoning it. Mm-hmm. Uh, why? Why is it that we let it warm up before we cook it? What What's the difference if hey. you were to do it just straight to the grill?
2: Um, so, I mean, there's there's a couple different reasons. One may being that when when steak is is cold, it's 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 hard, it's it's tense. I mean, if I just pulled this out of the cooler and you, and you poked it you know, it'd feel very, very, very firm. Mm-hmm. You know, but other than that also is you're closer to the internal temperature that you're ultimately cooking to the steak when it's at room temperature rather than from cold. So if I pulled it out cold and I put it in the pan and I seared it up, it would take essentially longer for that internal temperature to get to, you know, for medium rare, you want the internal temperature of the steak to be around like one thirty. Mm-hmm. Right? So what happens is it's hard to explain for those who don't have the visual of it. So that heat, when we're cooking on a stove or in an oven, I mean, it's you know, 500 degrees, 375, 700, whatever it may be. You've got to think for that heat to transfer through this steak. This steak is about you know, an inch thick, maybe more. Um, the colder it is at its center... The more that heat's gonna drive itself through, drive itself through, and warm it through, warm it through. So by the time that that center actually gets to 130, 135, whatever, yeah. however you like your state, you gotta think everything outward from that point is probably closer to 160, 275, 300, 500. Yeah. So you got like this much of medium rare. Which means after the time it, it sits and rests, you know, but it, it'll probably be medium well. I you know gotcha. what i mean? So that and also it just it just sears better. Like salt adheres better to it because yep. if you feel it, feel it. It's a little tacky at room temperature. Exposed to air, it's a little tacky. No, because this this apply to any meat, not just steak. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, pork, chicken. Okay. Yeah. I always I always like to bring it to room temperature just because, again, it's it's a little bit even if it's just what is it probably you're probably 70 something degrees you're pulling something out of the refrigerator or the cooler it's at maybe 37 right yeah. i mean that's that's a 30 degree gap you know so yeah. i mean that means a lot in cooking if you want a medium rare steak at a restaurant you order it at you know medium rare and that's 130 100 whatever it is 135 and it's 180 what is that steak Fucked. Yeah. 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 Right? So, potatoes are going. All right, we got the water for the the broccoli. Um, And again, we're going to do the same thing with the the salt to the water. So, So basically, you salt it as you mix it in and the salt absorbs, you want the water to taste like the ocean. Okay. You want it that, that salty. Um, so in here I have tasting spoons. And we just make sure that, that that water is salty enough, salty as the ocean. And like I said, it's going to be, for a couple reasons, it's going to help flavor um
1: the water yeah absolutely <laughs> the
2: best <Good. laughs> thank, you, thank you Depew, thank you to thank you topew municipality I the, oh, the, salt Depew water. Water. good to go um, so yeah so that's going to help flavor the the broccoli but it's also going to help retain that that beautiful vibrant um, green color on it and it's going to make the end result really really easy to cook because okay. it's going to be halfway cooked.
1: It so, also does something to the boiling process, right? Does, what's that? Does it speed up the boiling or a little You know what? what?
2: Honestly, I've, I've heard different things. I've heard that cold water boils faster. Honestly, I never gave too much yeah. of a shit yeah. Yeah. to really yeah. to really think about it. <laughs> All that I know is we got enough BTUs here that that water is going to water is going to boil pretty fast, whether yeah. it's salt or just yeah. Water. So,
1: so we got a. a Boiling pot, or eventually going to have a boiling pot of salty water to mm-hmm. put these broccolini.
2: Yes, and we're only going to go. It's not going to take long because they're, you know, baby broccoli is yeah. a lot more tender, not as fibrous as is fully matured uh, broccoli. But you know, this is a we, we want to trim this down just a little bit because towards the end here it is pretty fibrous. So we're just going to get in. Remember our, our principles of cutting. Okay, and we're just going to trim that, that stem off just a little bit. So, product you're going to use goes in one direction, product you're going to eventually get rid of goes in another, so you have a clean work area yep. um, at all times. So, so right. this is
1: something you also would do with asparagus. Yes. yes. Actually, probably a little more important for asparagus.
2: Yes. Yes.
1: How good you're getting
0: with this knife. I learned it so much. <laughs> this is like, this is really, really good. Really good. Flat. Yeah, I'm going to need one too.
1: So you, uh, broccolini. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's a good dish that would benefit from having some good broccolini? Oh, meat? it's
2: awesome in pasta. Okay. So like, one of my favorite like broccoli like pastas like rigatoni with some like nice spicy Italian sausage, yeah. broccoli, little Romano cheese and olive oil. Simple, you know. Sometimes a little toasted breadcrumb over the top, mm. but yeah, broccolini is great in, in in a lot of things. But I mean, what 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 differentiates it from uh, you know fully matured broccoli is really it's a little more tender and uh, a little sweeter, right. you know. I mean, I guess it has almost like kind of like an asparagus y kind of flavor to okay. it. It doesn't make your piss smell. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Which
2: just started happening to me, like, probably in the past, like, five years. Yeah. Everyone said it. Yeah. I don't know if it's like when you get older or you Maybe. hit a certain age yeah. or whatever. Build it up in your body. But, like, body. I mean, literally, like, I feel like if I peel broccoli, I fuck my piss melt. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like, it's not even about eating it. It's yeah. weird. All right? So, real quick, forward thinking potatoes are they've come to a boil so what we're going to do is we don't want to just these aren't going to be mashed potatoes right Right. so we want at this point them to cook a little bit more gently so we don't break down the the cell walls and everything else and the skin peels off and they look like a sloppy mess so we're just going to turn those down to like medium low and here's the thing you all have talk to text and everything else like that generally once a potato comes up to, to a boil when it's cut down like this, depending on the size, of course, um, I mean, you're looking at maybe 10 to 12 minutes okay. continuously cooking. So okay. bring up to a boil, give yourself 10 to 12 minutes. Tell your phone to set a timer for 10 to 12 minutes. Okay. But forward thinking, again, once these are potatoes are done, and there's a, a very easy way to, to check potatoes throughout the cooking process because there's no guarantee that... Um, they're going to be done in exactly 10 minutes. might be 13. might be 14. These potatoes might be stubborn as fuck. It might take 16. Who knows? Right? So, basically, you take, you know, a potato, you stick your paring knife into it, right? And a potato is cooked all the way through when it slides right off the knife, like,
0: immediately. All right. So, we got a few minutes so, left. Yeah,
2: we got, we got a little bit of, of time. Or. Okay. I mean, if that isn't a good indication for you, just take a spoon. Bring a piece out. Put it on the side of your cutting board. Let it cool down so you don't burn yourself. And just feel it. I mean, it's still hard.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah.
2: You know, okay. your, your thumb is fork tender. So a fork should go through there with, like, no problem. Okay. So we're not we're not there yet. Okay? Right? But, again, we want to prepare. Once these are cooked, we're going to have to strain them out. Yeah. Okay. So... We should find a strainer and find a sink.
1: Right? Uh-huh. <laughs> Hopefully, this kitchen has one, and it does. We have a multitude of strainers. So, uh, a fun fact uh, about potatoes that maybe is not so fun is uh, you've heard of the Great Potato Famine, right? So, part the reason why I'm here—a misnomer of the Potato Famine—is that. Um, they lost all their potato crops, and they couldn't grow the potatoes. It's actually the opposite. It's called the crepe potato famine because they had nothing but potatoes to eat. And that's how the stigma of Irishmen and potatoes being linked no came shit. to be. shit. Yeah.
2: I guess that makes sense.
1: Hey, this podcast is all about learning. And right? Well, fun. yeah.
2: I mean, you guys are learning. <laughs> I'm learning. So. My name's Shay, so people think I'm Irish.
1: You know. It is. It is very. <laughs> you know. Makes me think of the sheep.
0: My last name is supposed to be Johnston. And what happened? Great grandfather changed it when he came over because yes, he was a deserter uh, of the Irish military. Or whatever. Oh wow! Yeah. yeah. What did he, he change it to? Johnson. Yeah. Just. Wow. Well, he really you fucking up. fooled. me <laughs> <laughs> Gotcha. He got
1: away. Yo! Fuck yeah. that T. I don't know where that Johnston went. No, no, but this new guy—last <laughs> name's Johnson—showed up. You know what? Off. He kind of looks similar. Yeah. <laughs> you no, know, but I think he's missing a teeth. You know, always uh, counting on the other guy to be more drunk than him.
0: That's yes. all. That is. That's all. That's okay. all. Okay. So I appreciate it. I like it.
1: <laughs> boiling pot, broccolini chopped. Yeah, yeah, instead of standing
2: here like assholes,
1: let's. Um, uh,
2: <laughs> nope, we're gonna nope. wait for it to come to a boil. Okay. So now, um again, so what about the steak? Right? You're probably thinking. Nice. So honestly, once everything is pretty much ready, because steak you gotta eat, you gotta pay attention to. Right. So while you got all this other shit going on, you don't want to start cooking your steak because you're gonna fuck it up. So we got our potatoes rolling. They're at a nice, steady simmer, so we're not too worried about them. We just checked them. We're feeling good about things. We got our, our broccoli, you know, set aside, ready to go. Okay, so what, what are we going to um, what are we gonna put on our steak? Like I said, we're, we have some nice shallots here, and we have some mushrooms. We we'll just do some nice sauteed mushrooms and shallots to go over the steak. So we might as well get those ready while everything else is going. Because again, we want to focus. Once, when, when it's time to cook the steak, all you want to do right. is cook the steak. Okay. All right. So, little bit of uh, cooking demo or cutting demo on the shallots. These can be a tricky little uh, vegetable to cut. So you want to cut one edge off. Again, remove so, the scrap. You've left the outer layer on. Well, for now, for we're going to we're going to take that off. You yeah. want to take the 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 um, the tips off, the root end and like the the flowering end right and you're just going to cut a little seam down the center through the skin i'm just going to expose that okay and so for this we're only cooking one steak so figure i don't know a half a shallot per steak so if you're cooking for a family of four you're going to want two full shallots and that should be enough for uh, cooking base for the, the mushrooms again so every time that we we cut something we remove the scrap because this is usable product this isn't usable product yeah. so if these are all like here and i'm you know you're going to contaminate the, yeah. the good stuff so I see. get that shit over there and we'll so. throw it out later
1: the shallots and onion, obviously, are in the same family. You can, yeah,
2: you could use, you know, like a, a Vidalia onion or, or something if, you know, shallots aren't around or, or yeah. whatever. Or you could just use garlic in the same manner that we're going to use the shallots.
1: Okay. Yeah. Very important to leave that outer flaky skin on when you make your first couple slices into it. Something I caught... Once again, going back to Food Network, so that's my exposure, (laughs) and it's something I never noticed doing or noticed my parents doing, and I bet they've always done it, peel the skin off, like the top layer off, and then try chopping it, and it is, it makes a big difference, it really does, Mm -hmm. it really helps with uh, keeping everything together as you get into the chopping. That's what I'm really excited to see here, because Matt's been showing some nice skills here, but he's about to really step in.
2: uh, Chopping onions and shallots, especially, well, an onion's easier because it's bigger, Mm -hmm. so a shallot's going to be a little bit difficult, but we're going to do four, just for the sake of learning. Sure. Alright, so you could do the last one. You've seen what I did there. Just, Just be careful.
0: And... Yeah.
1: I love it. even the sound of the cutting it's making it in
2: the podcast. What's that, like ASMR or whatever they do? you ever hear it where it's like a, like, it's almost like honed in on the sound of shit? Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: Don't get too technical, moments once you have the incision, just okay. so the finer the cut, okay, usually, you know, you might want to use a smaller knife or, or whatever. Sure. But. You have way more control with the very tip than you do anything here. So if you're just trying to make like an incision, and this is where the finger thing actually comes into benefit, finger becomes a support on it. So you see how I'm holding it? Yeah. I'm actually pressing the finger down, tip first. If I go in here first, I don't have a lot of control. But if that tip is planted in here,
1: so it's got sharp
2: right. Right. So So then right through. Oh,
1: Oh, I just got a a wave of the. The smell of
2: the shallots is delicious. So, cutting shallot, like I said, can be a little bit challenging, so you can do it a lot of ways. I'm going to show you a a couple different ways, because there's no rhyme or reason. Again, you know, if you're working under a chef, he wants things done specific ways, but when you're at home, you're the chef, so fuck it. So, for like a sliced shallot or or something like that, you know, we're simply going to slice it down the center, right? then again using that that three finger formation so we don't get cut you know for a beginner you keep that tip on the cutting board and you and you could do just nice thin slices for it okay so with the onion once you get to the half point you're running out of space but you get a lot more space if you just tip it over
1: Very cool. Yeah, they, I'll, I'll definitely uh, post some images on uh, some pictures of this whole process. And then you because get... obviously
0: this is a, oh, a nice one with the chopper. I was actually hoping I get to see that
2: today. <laughs> <laughs> so will do a little like that, but then there's another way. If you want them yeah. finely minced or, or chopped, we're going to start with the same same process. Yeah. We're going to cut it in half, right? And leave it on the flat side, the cut side down, right? we're going to take our our palm we're going to stretch out those fingers and extend them up so we're not putting them in any any danger cleaning crew might be showing up right now that's alright so we might be doing so we keep our fingers up how you doing man? good, Good. you doing uh, the cleaning? yes sir alright, just do the kitchen last we're just shooting a little demo podcast sound good? thanks brother Welcome to the Cisco Test Kitchen. (laughs) So, again, palm up, or or palm on it, fingers up. And all you're going to kind of do, might be hard to see, is just kind of make a light cut into the side. All right, so you have about two, maybe three slices inside. This is where it kind of gets a little challenging. And then you're just going to go through and cut down. Again, tip first. And then again, three finger, keep your. So
1: that's. Is that
2: mincing? Yeah, this would be a minced minced shallot. So the difference being, really, is this cut, the way when it's like Julianne like this or or, or sliced like this, it's gonna be a a part of the, the visual of the final dish you know so if you don't want it to be like that prevalent in the dish in the the preparation of the dish but you just want it to kind of melt into the sauce it depends on how you make it or what you're making so minced shallot that's a minced shallot that's a sliced shallot again it's how you want it a steak we're making a nice rustic uh, you know dinner here you know meat and potatoes like I said so just wanted to show you the, the mincing process so we'll slide that over here and let you start with the slicing
1: yeah, let's see Matt's skills here
2: okay so again sliced in half anchor it down make sure you have a firm firm grip on it yep. tip down and then take your time one two and slowly you're moving inching it this way okay keeping the knife straight so go slow okay but try to get in that habit of keeping the tip on the cutting board
0: just like this motion.
1: Yeah, watching the cooking shows makes everything seem so effortless. I'll be interested to see Matt here. He's already kind of a natural. There you go. Oh, buff. And there's no rush. That's the thing. the at home push this and
0: matters.
1: slide it forward or, instead of or trying to just come straight
2: down on it okay. kind of have like this this motion as you're pushing it forward as you're coming down okay like sliding it forward and if it starts to get loose on it's you to break up. yeah if it starts to then just flip it okay okay oh, yeah just hold the, the, the very tip of it if you're not comfortable with it as long as you, you secure your knife And there's nothing wrong with going like this at this point because it's so thin. Just putting your knife through, coming over the top, waiting till the knife is secured into the vegetable, so it's not going to go anywhere, and then you can go like that.
1: Okay. That is, you know that is definitely how I cook home.
2: Yeah, but, I mean, get into that practice because, you know, it, it takes practice. Like, listen, this wasn't learned overnight, you know.
1: Oh, so you didn't walk into your parents' restaurant at 15 years old and no. just start... No, no,
2: definitely not. <laughs> Shrimp scambies are special, bitches, you know. <laughs> this got done watching watch Power Rangers. <laughs> there you go. That was better. Nice, even... Mo- there you go. Sometimes that outer skin's a little fibrous and, and, and tough, so. Yeah, do you normally keep it or do you normally well, discard it? it? It depends. Like so, like like the skin and the peels of the onions. If like you know, for like Thanksgiving or whatever, if you're making like a gravy yeah. or something like that, I mean, it's really nice to flavor the the stock or the yeah. broth for the gravy. Um, so it it just depends, but you know, nine times out of ten, we're just gonna get rid of them.
1: Alright, so Matt's using the pinch technique right
2: now. Just let it get into the flesh and move your fingers out of there. Or conversely, you can slice it on on the short side too. There you go. There we go. Okay. So it's whatever, like I said, it's, it's however you feel comfortable, as long as that they're. The name of the game is, really, is that you want these to be able to, to cook evenly yeah. and, and and cook relatively quickly. Yeah. You know, because shallots are generally going to be the base of whatever it is that, that you're making. Shallot, onion, garlic, those are all kind of your foundational type um, vegetables for Kay. flavoring stuff. Yeah. You know? Um, I mean, there's really nothing. So, like, to that point, you know, this is gonna take a considerable amount of right. time to cook versus this. Yes. So as you're eating, you know, oh this is so good, so balanced, and then you get this trunk. Big of, chunk, right? And yeah. it's like what the fuck was that? <laughs> <laughs> so why? if
0: anyone
1: says that at your house, kicking them out. Yeah. If, if anyone comes over to your house and you cook them dinner, they, they utter those <laughs> words, kick them right. Exactly. You, you can don't need do those people. You can do that.
2: You know, in a restaurant, you need their money. I just set so really this can't. one up.
0: They're right in the mince. So that's
2: a mince that's
1: a mint Are you, are you
0: trying down. to go there? If just, i just like to see it one more time if it's okay. Sure.
2: Yeah. I mean, I would practice before you get into the whole shallot thing because yeah. it's, like, really yeah. fancy. Yeah,
1: take an onion. <laughs> do an onion because <laughs> it's a lot,
2: <laughs> lot bigger. Gotcha. You know, so, again,
1: slice in half. Well, if you don't know what down. Matt looks like, he is a large man. <laughs> to see him operate uh, <laughs> these knives with these tiny little vegetables, he, he's quite the uh, you, you got you got slippery hands, my friend. You you can you got some skills.
0: It's a good thing. It's a blessing and a curse, right? <laughs>
1: no, you're nimble with those slip- things. Uh,
0: my slippery hands have got me in a lot of trouble in other fields. So <laughs> no,
1: you're not the first American to utter that phrase. <laughs> Pretty sure we had a president that uh you know Don't uh, go there. <laughs> you already got banned from Twitter. <laughs> I can't help myself. So there you go. Alright, Matt tap the mints. Let's see let's see this. Do you
2: want it do you want an onion? I can grab an onion. Would you feel more comfortable? Um, before we go and do that, let's check these potatoes. Sure. Alright. All right. To me they feel pretty good. Sliding off pretty well. So all we're gonna do is kinda the thumb test go ahead and feel they're a little firm so they got a little bit longer but we got roll and boil on the uh, broccoli so we're not just going to go grab this broccoli because we have this potato that we're testing that goes back in the water we got shallots that we're cutting so we're going to get rid of all that stuff the vegetables aren't in the water so we don't have to like
1: I gotta do it now, right? You know? Right. This, this is why miso plus. Miso? Mis- Mise en plus. Mise en plus is in, in muy importante. Yeah. So you just did French and Spanish a, yeah, right yeah. there. I'm, I'm, I'm
2: trying Multicultural. Multicultural, Brian. My uh, no,
1: but uh, yeah, it's it's important to to take your time and get the steps out of the way, and and that way maybe you feel more prepared at home. You feel like everything isn't on top of you, and you're like, how am I gonna keep an eye on this, that, and that? It's right. Like, no, if you if you take your time, throw on some nice music, not too heavy, unless you're into that, like me and Shade. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to sure. throw some every time I die on it, yeah, there go crazy. you go.
2: Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, so knife comes out of the way, right? We got our shallots that we're going to use right here, but we're not going to get into anything else because our potatoes are kind of rounding out. They're they're almost ready to drain out, so we're going to sneak in our our broccolini real quick because that water's boiling. And keep in mind that, yeah, there's going to be different sizes in the batch. If you're really particular, you know, you can cut this down in half so everything's kind of more uniform, yeah. But I mean, at, it, it's not the end of the day. Everything's going to kind of come together in the end as it is. If something was abnormally large, you want to kind of keep everything somewhat of a, a u- uniform size. Sure. So again, boiling salted water. Broccoli goes in. Okay. You know, a spoon or a utensil on hand. Um, always important tongs whatever it is and yeah. this is this is gonna be a good time that you're gonna see where you're you're gonna need your side towel so, so I keep them nice and folded like this just so they fit in the palm of my hand when I go to grip a a pan it's it's really easy to, to grab and I'm not kind of like fumbling around but, right. you know this and that so I always keep my dry towels kind of folded over and it just gives you you know four layers of protection right So blanching vegetables, depending on the vegetable, something super fibrous and and hard, like a Brussels sprout or whatever, we'll just go with Brussels sprout. Um, You know, even like cauliflower or broccoli, you know, a hard vegetable, mature vegetable, it's going to take a a little bit longer. But this is a tender baby vegetable. So really, we just want the skins to soften up a little bit, the flesh to soften up a little bit. We want to retain that nice, see that bright color? It almost looks like far more vibrant yeah. than what it did before it went in. Yep. You know, the salt actually has a part in that, you know. So what's an
1: important
2: is once it, it, it comes up for a minute, I mean, again, same thing with the potato. You just want the stalks to be a little tender. So I have a little bit more tolerance to, to heat than some. So bring it to your cutting board, use tongs, use whatever, let it chill and then just kind of feel. So you could feel, it's a little tender, but you want it, you want some uh, uh, texture to yeah. it, so you don't want it, like, fully, like, soft and mush, sure. you just want a little bit of give, because yeah, we're going to cook right. this, we're going to cook this again, Right. this is just the kind of, uh, like I said, the blanching process, it, it makes the texture better, brings out the flavor, brings out the color, so now all we're going to have to do when we finish this plate is just basically saute it or warm it in a little bit of butter or fat or, or oil or, or whatever, so... This feels pretty good, and that's a bigger piece, so all those smaller pieces, you should kind of know, like, okay, they're definitely done. Right right, 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 right. So I'll take care of this, so we're just gonna bring it over, and you can do one or two things. So as you're bringing it to the sink, in your house, your sink isn't 10 feet away. <laughs> yeah. You know? So the first thing you wanna do, unless you're using it right away, just put it in an ice bath, you know, like ice water, or just you know, rinse it with cold water to stop the cooking process so it doesn't overcook. Okay. Because right now it's, it's called, um so it's still it's still cooking. It doesn't stop just because it was poured, you know, out. It still has that hot water. It absorbs some of that hot water. It's continually uh, cooking. Carryover it's cooking. That's good. what it's called. Carryover cooking. So we're just going to rinse it and some cold water to cool those vegetables down to stop, stop the cooking. Because if they continue to cook, that's when you see, you ever seen overcooked broccoli? Yeah. It's like that, just murky, ugly, yeah. brown. No one wants to eat that, right? And also the nutritional benefits of it are fucking shot. know. Yeah. So just, you know, for here, we just want to cool down to the touch. All right. Good enough for right there. All right. Alright, so whatever you want to put it back in, put it back in the pot and Keep that strainer right in the sink because our potatoes are probably just finishing. Okay. okay. Throw that over there for now we'll come back to that later. Take a look at our potatoes. Give it a feel. Oh. There me. you go. Perfect you see that? That's what you perfect. want. Perfect. Still had some some like it fought you a little yeah. bit, but yeah. once you applied some pressure, so this is honestly like perfect. Okay. So we're gonna take that, actually I'll let you sure. kind to do the same thing. Slowly pour it out. That Slowly. steam, once that steam hits something or that hot water hits something cooler than the temperature that creates steam, right? So the faster you pour it out, the faster the steam comes up. Ah. If you've ever gotten a steam burn, they're fucking terrible. They're time. So see. just pour away from yourself okay. slowly, let that steam cloud kind of dissipate, and then pour it all in. And if you ever feel a steam burn starting to happen, let go of whatever the hell you're holding on to. Let it drop in the sink, start over if you have to. It's not worth the injury, you know. You go. Now go. Okay. There you go. Get your hand right out of it. Potatoes are going to be a little bit more resilient than, like, a green vegetable. So you don't necessarily have to, like, shock them with the cold water. Okay. Because we're going to cook them. We want them to get a nice, like, crisp to
1: them. So, so okay.
2: let them just chill. Sure. You know, and, and, and they'll be good, and we'll bring them over. Um, so next, you know, the pot ah, can just go. Um, so as they're – just leave it wherever. Yep. Um. So we want to bring that back over to our workstation, Um. You know, eventually. So, whether you carry it in a bowl over back to the the board, you want to keep everything that you're going to eventually cook along with the steak. So, this is all prep. So, we just prepped all these items, right? We prepped the potatoes, we prepped the broccolini. So, we want to keep those very, very close. That's still part of our mise en place, right? So, we're done with the shallots. You know, those go back into the vegetable drawer or wherever um, that you keep them. So, we want to keep our broccolini and just keep everything staged. Okay, we're almost ready to cook steak. So our broccolini comes over here, all prepped, ready to go. I'm gonna pretend that I washed this and put it away, clear the clutter. (laughs) Because after this nice dinner, you cook your nice a wife, you know, your wife a nice dinner, you know things might happen. Yeah. You don't want to stunt you don't want to stunt that. You don't want to stunt that, but let me get let me get these dishes done
1: first. <laughs> Let me get these dishes done. You go get your.
2: We'll go, that's, that's go slip into something a little more comfortable. Make well, sure you
1: bought a nice bottle of red wine or something to have her occupied while you do a quick cleanup session.
2: Red, white, bourbon, Bud Light, whatever. Oh, it does. <laughs> All right, so potatoes, we're gonna. I'm just transfer those uh, potatoes right to this this board here sure. so what we're using is just kind of like a, a cookie tray to, to hold all our ingredients on before we use them um, in between prep jobs so it's just a nice way to kind of keep your your ingredients readily available mm-hmm and not on the cutting board and, and stuff like that. You can transfer them wherever you need to. If you need more room, if yeah, you're in a even in a can tight get space, over
1: well. sure. And all yeah, of a sudden, exactly. you're looking down at what you've been working on, and right. there's just stuff everywhere. Right.
2: There. So, I mean, every setup is different, and obviously, we're in, you know more of a professional kitchen, so it's it's a lot easier for us to kind of maneuver and hold stuff over here and hold stuff over here. So that's why, if you know, you keep it on a, a plate. I use paper plates a lot at home for this kind of stuff. Okay. Because it cuts down on the washing and stuff like that. You know, so my potatoes are prepped, they're on a paper plate. My vegetables are prepped, they're on a paper plate. So when I actually get to cooking, I just start with the paper plate. I mean, gosh, less less clean up. Okay? So these are ready to go. Um, last thing, we haven't prepped yet. Now that we don't have to worry about anything on the stove... We don't have to worry about cooking a steak. We're ready to go on our potatoes and vegetables and have some fun with that. We have our shallots cut. The last thing we need to cut is our, our mushrooms. And you can cut them really anyway. I like to take a little bit of the stem off like this. Or, I mean, you could just slice them, and I think that will be the, the easiest. But if you want something like a little more like texture, um, I like to quarter them. Because then it takes a little bit longer for them to cook and stuff like that. So okay. how, however you however you want to, just know that this is going to take longer to cook yeah. than this. Which are so.
1: uh, what mushrooms are these?
2: Those are just button mushrooms, white domestic button mushrooms. But um, I mean, I like I like all mushrooms. So go ahead, give them a slice. Couple, sure. Yeah, I would say I don't know. Cause mushrooms have a ton of water in them, okay. too. Nope. So hold it straight, like nope. Just sorry, just because this is more secure than this, right? Right, right. So then just slice that way. Slice that way. Nope. Keep your knife. Always keep your knife. Strap. Yeah. You <laughs> nah, you're good, man. Don't worry about. it Yeah, you don't need much. Yeah. Okay. Nope, nope, nope. nope. The uniform, oh, set up right? yep right. so whatever is comfortable for you they just don't want all different shapes and sizes and right, right. presentation matters Okay. not so much at home but definitely so as I was saying uh, mushrooms hold a lot of water so the raw yeah, product very easily yeah so the raw product versus the cooked product is going to be you know, it's going to shrink down tremendously so you might be Cutting this whole thing of mushrooms, my like, God, what am I gonna do with all these mushrooms? But the time they're cooked, you're like where do my mushrooms go? Uh, <laughs> you know, I gotcha. so yeah. kind of overcompensate for that. Okay. You know, it's common with like spinach too, it's the same way. Sure. You know, you can buy like this big pillow bag of spinach from Wegmans, and then you you cook it, and you're like, what the hell is this? You know, so always kind of overcompensate for any vegetable that has like a lot of water in it, because the cooked the cooked product, the final product. Is a lot less than what you might think.
1: You're like a machine, there you go. Man.
2: You're getting there. Look at that slice. He's Keeping the tip down. And just watch that thumb. Yeah. That thumbs overlapping that pointer finger there. That thumb really. I like to pin it back with my pinky so it doesn't even exist anymore. I see. You know. Okay. Which is hard. You know, it, it, it's uncomfortable at first, but. With a mushroom, honestly, just just go for it with the mushroom. Like an onion or a hard vegetable, you really want to anchor down, but mushrooms are are relatively easy. So just kind of put a little weight on it and just... It's all going to break up in the pan when we stir it around. Okay. You know, if this was my restaurant, you'd be fired.
1: But, <laughs> <laughs> you probably also wouldn't have been
0: hired. That's also true. That right? is also true.
2: I would probably say about maybe three or four more. Okay. I mean, for here, we're, we're, we're cooking one, one steak. You know, so basically, I mean, the way... You want to maybe look at it is the size of the pan you're going to cook the mushrooms in. Yeah. So if it fills the bottom of the pan, just know when it's all said and done you're going to get about half
1: that amount. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Makes sense. So how about this for a, a tip for the at-home cooker? Uh, cooking steak for multiple people. Now, I can handle it if it's just me and my wife, but let's say you're being brave and you're having some buddies over for the game yeah and you are gonna do steak is is doing the grill the best option just for uniform and time
2: and i mean it is because you got a lot of surface area but the thing is is with 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 cooking steaks on the grill it's 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 high intense heat so like once that you got that nice marking on on the steak yeah it's hard to like I said, the outside'll burn before the internal will. So like when you're cooking on a grill, have a low side and have a
1: hot side. Okay.
2: So once good. you get those nice nice hash marks mm-hmm. on, on, on the on the steak, on your I don't know how familiar you are with like the quarter turn, yeah. you know, like a ninety degree turn to get those nice X's oh yeah, on there. Yep. So I always train like my cooks on the grill, it's like so we got our hot side. And our, our low side. So, obviously, you're marking the steak on the on the hot side. So, you know, a couple minutes per turn, right? So, on the last turn, you bring it over to the, the colder side okay. or the low side, right? So, it'll still mark up. It'll just take a little bit longer, but the steak, it'll allow the steak to cook That's evenly throughout, cook throughout. Yeah. rather than burning on the outside. Same thing with a burger... Yeah. Or whatever You know, you do those hash marks or, or whatever on it, do them on high heat, but that last turn, bring it over to the low side. And in a lot of cases, if you're not grilling any more steaks and everything fits on that low side, turn off the hot side completely. Okay. And then close the grill if you want to or, or whatever, okay. you know.
1: So we're doing steak today, but uh, one thing that I struggled with most of my childhood – was a chicken man knows this story uh it was in our group message talking about this podcast uh my parents because they were so deathly terrified of getting someone sick right would boil the chicken mm-hmm. now i don't ever boil right. my chicken <laughs> I, i'll sooner pay for your hospital bill when i make you That'll sick good. than then boiled chicken because it's right. so bad it's so right. chewy right uh, what's a good tip for grilling chicken to know that you're going to cook it through?
2: bone in like like size or, or like let's just, say bone uh, out let's
1: say like you like go to babies you buy the family pack of the six breasts that are right. deep
2: okay, okay. Um, honestly kind of the same process it, but it all depends You, you, you well, with that you would want those like nice hash marks on them you yeah. know the, the grill marks on them same process. Achieve those those grill marks on high, high heat, but then it's almost like searing in a pan. You know, you sear it, get that, you know, seal in the juices, get that nice texture, get those nice hash marks, and move them to the low side and let them finish low and slow. Okay. You know, chicken has the, the flesh, especially the white meat, the breast, and barely any fat. It's super lean. So the higher the heat you cook something like that, like steak, you can see the fat in it, you know? Right. So it takes a long time for that fat to, to cook out, yeah. you know, and to dry out. With chicken, there's very, very little fat in it. So the higher the temperature, the higher the heat, it's just going to incinerate it because there's, there's nothing to buffer that heat. There's, gotcha. that, that heat just rolls right through it, you know sure. what I'm saying? So, sure. like, again, get those nice marks on it. And then transfer it off to, you know, the low side and let it finish low and slow. Okay. If you're doing bone-in chicken, the best way to do it, bone-side down, on low, for, you know, and for depending on how much and, and what it is, if it's a thigh or a drum or whatever, on low for almost the duration. You know, what I do is it, it, it gets a nice, like, that skin dries up a little bit, starts to get crisp a little bit, which is... It's less likely to stick to the grill so you do it low and then you could finish it on high so you could almost like go in reverse with the bone-in chicken because you want it to to cook almost from the inside out rather than outside in because everything that meat around the bone takes a long time to to cook so again same kind of process as i talked about how like the high heat from the steak takes a lot of time for it to to penetrate to the, the that internal temperature so the outside is more apt to be burnt by the time it's cooked all the way through. Gotcha. Same thing. So that bone-in, just go low and low and low and slow, and if anything, from that point, you could just slap it on the grill, get those nice char marks on it, and you know that it's cooked all the
1: way through. All right. Beautiful. Cool? All right. So
2: pan searing a steak. We're going to use cast iron. Okay. Because it's the most even cooking. So a lot of people ask me you know do you use olive oil canola oil and honestly to be honest I, I, I don't care what you use um in olive oil so when you get into like extra virgins and you know blended olive oils i don't really suggest using those for high temperature cooking if you're just gently sauteing shrimp or vegetables fine But oils have different, like, smoke points, it's called, when the oil actually, like, breaks down. Yeah. Okay? So, like, a canola oil or grapeseed oil or any light, even vegetable oil, soybean oil, peanut oil, all have very high smoke points, which means it takes a lot of heat for them to actually break down. Extra virgin olive oil and and, and other olive oils usually break down around, like, 300 degrees or 350 Uh, degrees. And what happens when, like, an olive oil breaks down, it comes very, 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 like, bitter and, like, astringent, you know, and it just imparts, like, a horrible flavor. So when you're searing something, you never want to sear anything in, like, a, a virgin or extra virgin olive oil or a blended oil. You want just a neutral, light oil, like, this is a blend of, like, avocado and sunflower oils, but any really, really light oil. Okay. Okay, because that, A, affects, like, the the crust and the sear on the steak, right? But also the flavor that it transfers to that meat. So if you're using, like, an olive oil and you let that thing rip, and you could see it. Like, so olive oil has, like, a green color to it. So if you were to heat it it and it hit its smoke point and it broke down, it would actually turn, like, clear, almost, like, grayish, and it just gives, like, a really bad flavor. So always just use whatever oil you choose, canola, vegetable, whatever. As long as it's a light oil, you'll be fine with a high, you know, because it has a uh, high smoke point. Extra virgin olive oil is really just kind of like finish plates. Okay. You know, finish uh, salads and, and dress things with. It's almost like you would use it almost like, think of butter on toast because it has a, a lot of fat in it and stuff like that. Okay. So it's, it's a finishing oil. Okay. So you can see... This has some residual oil on it, which is fine. So you got our pan—that's what we call smoking hot, right? right? Right. Exactly. So, steak. I like to put, and because this has been at room temperature, and you know, there's been air on it. You, again, it has a little bit of uh, tackiness to it, which is great because, as you can see, when you apply your salt, and when you apply your salt to a piece of meat or numerous piece of pieces of meat you know instead of like going down here bring it up just a little bit and you get far more even distribution so if you're down here low yeah. you're going to get a loyal, fucking right? blot of salt here blot of salt here blot of salt here you know so on and so forth
1: so uh, if anyone uh, doesn't realize by now yeah he's doing the salt thing
2: <laughs> not as extravagant but is okay grab a yeah go ahead man. what's your name Greg. Craig Craig yes, viewers say hi to Craig <laughs> 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 alright so then same thing with the pepper and now here I mean you could add whatever you want Cajun spice you want to do a blackened steak now would be like a good time to add that um Granulated garlic, granulated onion. I never do
0: when I have that. I would just
2: throw it on while it's, like, cooking. Yeah, no, you're seasonal. Yeah. But not too early. Aha. Aha. Another tip. Okay. Right? So let's say we seasoned this an hour ago. Salt mm. draws out moisture. Mm. Right? It dries it right out. Well, it dries it out, but also affects the, the sear on it. Right. Because as, as salt draws out the moisture, what does it mix? Oil and water. Right. 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 So on a very like molecular level, like the moisture coming out of the steak is creating a buffer between that hot oil, which is preventing that nice brown, crusty, it's called the uh, Maillard reaction. Uh-huh. And that's a browning, that's the browning process of, of the steak pre- prevents that. So right before it goes in the pan. We want to season that up. So doing, okay. okay, so season up nice. If so
1: you can memorize that, you can really impress the lady that you're cooking for. Yes, right there, the
2: yeah. Maillard reaction.
1: Yeah, yeah yep. definitely. Drop some physics on. Right,
2: and then give her your own Maillard reaction <laughs> later on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that means.
0: make <laughs> it work. We'll make it work.
2: Yeah. All right, so oil, not too much, right? So when we add the oil, we just add a couple swirls. And as the oil heats, it kind of like dissipates and like spreads out across the pan. So we'll swirl that around. You never want it to really pool because we're not frying. So, you know, sautéing or searing is high heat, small amount of fat, right? So just enough to coat the bottom of the pan, right? But when you add the oil, it's not immediately hot, right? So you want to give it just a couple seconds for that that oil to come up to temperature. as the same part of the pan. So I'm going to take care of this... Park, okay? Sure. Yeah. Um So, when you're searing in a house, if you have a, a an exhaust fan, turn it on because this will set off the fire alarm. You know, I took the batteries out of my smoke alarms in my house, like <laughs> because this happens a lot. Okay. So, a couple safety tips handles are hot heat transfers this is all one piece of metal yeah unless it has like a rubber grip or something on it right assume everything is hot that's what i tell my kids when they're running around the kitchen everything is hot right now like everything i don't care what you're looking at it's hot right now right so keep that same mentality so side towels right so we know that oil is hot it's smoking so when you add your steak you're not just gonna plop that in there right We're going to lay it away from us. Because if that oil cools up, at least it goes that way, not towards me on my forearms. Again, the scars, I have tattoos that hide them, but still. Okay, so we're just going to hold it and lay it in. If at any time you put that steak in and you hear that sound, that sound goes away, your pan's not hot hot enough. Not hot enough. Okay? So you want to hear that. You pick it oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're picking that up? Yeah, you picking it, oh, yeah. it up? All right. Yeah. You want to hear that throughout. If you put your steak in this, doesn't matter steak, salmon, doesn't matter what you're searing or what you're cooking. If you don't hear that, you might hear it initially, but once you put that piece of meat in the pan and that goes away, your pan's not hot enough. Take it out, wipe it out, and start the whole process. Reset. Okay. Yeah. So that's why I always keep you know whatever it's a paper plate at home or whatever. I always keep this here in case I, I have to take it out for any reason, okay. or if my pan, conversely, is
0: way too hot.
2: Right. You know, those are those are things that you want to take out. Just take a breath, restart the process. What's the signal that's
0: way too hot? Just smoke it all over the place.
2: Yeah. So, just, okay. Right or you get a big flare up. If you got okay. a gas, you know, anything like that. Just another safety tip. <laughs> you, you oil hits the flame, you get a flare up. Turn it off put a lid on it, step away. It doesn't matter if it's another pan or a cookie tray or whatever. Don't put oil on it. Don't go like this outside because it's catching oxygen and it's going to burn your eyebrows or kill someone on the way out. Okay, Okay, so just smother it, turn the the source of the heat off and just step away, give it a little bit and then call takeout. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, so we got a nice sizzle going on. So we're just going to increase that heat because it's nice and under control.
1: So you and never adjusted the heat from, from the moment that you put that skillet down and brought it up to temperature. Right. And then added the oil and then added the steak. You've never once adjusted the heat. Right. Go.
2: But now I turned it up because this steak is okay. relatively cold. You know, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's at room temperature, but based on the, compared to the, the temperature that this pan is, it's cold, right? So that brings down the temperature of the pan. Okay. So we want that pan, we want to give it time to recover and come back up to that temperature. Okay. So once I'm starting to achieve like a, a nice even sear on it, I'm going to just turn up that heat just a
1: little
0: bit. Yeah.
1: I love how casual it's chilling right now. I've seen so many people cook steaks and they've got the tongs. No, don't, don't, don't touch pick it. it don't don't touch pick it up. Don't touch it. Up and this is
2: trial, you know, this is trial by error as far as you know time and temperature this takes a little bit more finesse but honestly to me i don't see which what more finesse it takes than doing it on a grill you know you get a lot more flare ups on a grill yeah you know uh, so it's just it's the same it's the same exact thing yeah you know it's just in house it's a little bit more intimidating because that sound and you know, usually you're grilling outside, so you don't hear it this much. So you're like, "Oh my god, listen to that! It's, is it burning?" Yeah. You know, just, no, it's not. It's fine. You'll know if it's burning. You know. Now, also,
0: you, you, know do you experiment a bunch with, when you cook, or do you just kind of like you don't want to reinvent the wheel? I um,
2: well, I mean, it depends on on. It depends on the situation, sure. and it depends on on you know who I'm cooking for. But you know, in the restaurant, you know, in the style of restaurants that I that I cooked in, you kind of had to to be inventive and creative because right. you want people to come back you want some you always want for me it was always like you know giving that one thing in a dish even if it's a recognizable dish or you know a common dish one thing and it's like okay
0: makes it stand out like snowflakes I don't know what, what was that yeah right like, right
1: right okay well what, what was that yeah, you know black, blackened cajun scallops is yeah. the one that you gave me that I've never had anywhere else oh at
2: at curly yeah yeah yeah
1: let's do it was,
2: so watch, look at you see how this is starting to get tighter and it's starting to almost like curl up, yep. right? Yeah. Because the heat is causing the um, the fat, the kind of the fat is rendering out. There's more fat in this pan than than what I added. Because mm-hmm. all that white stuff is fat. So there's nothing wrong with just kind of like peeking under and looking at the crust, right? That's a good crust. So we're gonna flip again. We're gonna flip it and go towards the back. Okay. Right? And I can do one or two things. I got my oven on right now. So that that residual heat in the pan is gonna stay. Right? But again, we don't want it to burn before that internal um, temperature gets up. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna protect it with a little bit of butter and this is where we differ at restaurants than than at home. Okay. We use there's about four ounces of butter. We're gonna crown that steak with it. Right on top. And then I got my oven at 500 and we're going to put it right in there and we're going to wait okay in the meantime we're going to take another pan we're going to get that hot
1: so there's a a huge advantage to owning cast iron is that when cooking in a pan like that, you can just drop it straight into the oven. Mm-hmm. Where if you add one with one of the you know coatings on it, and then I you had the rubber handle on it, you may not want to throw that. Depending in on the the quality,
2: like these ones I
1: have, they're like
2: restaurant quality, so yeah. you can, pen, you know. But like again, getting back to the whole like Farberware or whatever from like Tops and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah no, you don't want to. Yeah, you don't need that high heat. In, yeah, you know. it'll and and they warp too. Yeah, and they bend so. So now we're going to get ready to do our potatoes. So generally, I mean for this steak, we're just going to kind of let it go for about about seven minutes for medium rare. Okay. Okay, so here we got another pan we're going to heat up and we're going to get ready for our potatoes, right? So this, bring them on over. Sure. We want to be at about a medium, medium heat. So again, that oil can splash up. So go ahead and just set that down on your stove. I always lift up and tilt the oil. So if it does splash, again, it splashes that one. If I left this flat and started dropping these in, this oil is going to go anywhere. So go ahead, grab this. Sure. Lift that pan up. Just tilt it a little bit. And go and gently put in your potatoes.
1: carefully placing all these
2: potatoes. Gingerly placing them in the pan, all right? So keep that in your hand and just kind of give it a little little shake, let them settle into the pan, because this guy is kind of hanging out on his brothers. You just want them all kind of spread out. And go ahead and salty that shit. Oh, here we go. go. Again, and this is where you Potatoes can take a lot of salt, so don't get. Oh, he's got the hard elbow and everything.
1: All right? That technique. Boom! Oh, Done. A One more.
2: Right? Yeah, a little more. A little salt.
1: That. See, like a good feel for it. You knew when you pinch that first time. You're like, that's not enough salt.
2: There we go. So you hear that simmer kind of went down, right? You yeah. Hear that sizzle. All right. So we jack that up. Potatoes like when they're blanched, those yeah, got potatoes like high heat. Yeah. Really high heat. Think of a French fry, you know. Sure. It gets you know fried in deep hot fat, right? So we're gonna let let it pick back up, let it kind of like start to brown a little bit. We're gonna do the same thing that we did um, to the steak. We're gonna go ahead and throw that um, in the oven. Conversely, if you don't have all these pans going at once, you could toss these potatoes after they were blanched with olive oil, salt, and pepper. Put them on a baking tray and throw them by the room in the oven. Yeah, you know, I just like do them in the pan. Just a, it's a little more technical. And I'm trying to teach you guys a little bit more restaurant style doing. Yeah, you know, but uh, there's nothing wrong with just throwing them right into a a, a baking tray. Right
1: it comes to attempting to sauté, mm-hmm. and you see, you want to be like the chefs on TV, and so you want to try and actually flip them around, would you recommend that to anyone at their house? Take
2: Not, or? no, because what, so, what can happen is that fat can catch the flame. Yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. So if you've got too much fat in there, it catches that flame, you'll get a big, big flare on it. You know, so, I mean, if you're comfortable with it... Sure, you know, but when we do it in the restaurants, yeah. depending on what, like, so like a stir fry, you want that that flare up. Uh, so in a restaurant, we would pull it away from the. You would right, you know, and just toss it. So it's kind of like a push and pull okay. action. Yeah. Yep. So in culinary school, you practice with a cold pan with dry beans. Oh, okay. And that's how you know that that flip action.
0: Very.
1: Practice tossing your
2: beans. <laughs> <laughs> so we're starting to get some like even browning. Okay. Again. Nice pat of butter in there.
1: You should unsee seed. I'm gonna take a picture of how thick the, the butter <laughs> is on top of this stuff.
0: <laughs> go ahead.
1: Work, set my phone. I'll set it to you. there we go. Last take of the picture. I'll close picture. Oh look at the caramelization already on those. Yep. Yeah.
2: And we know that we didn't cool them down, right? Yep. They cooked. You know, your thumb went right through it. Right. Right? So you know that they're cooked all the way through. We're just crisping up the edges. Right. And and, and cooking them all the way through. Or, uh, you know, just making sure that they're warm all the way through. So we can do a couple different things here. Um, You know, the broccolini, once those potatoes are done, if you have a big enough pan... You just kind of toss them right in there and warm them through. Again, because we've, that's the benefit of, of the blanching mm-hmm. that they're already cooked. So oh. we just really essentially have to rewarm it, right? said it. Okay. But we're in a restaurant, and my chefs would never let me combine stuff in, in, in pans. There's always this pan for that, this pan for that, which is a giant pain in the ass when you're cooking 250 different. Yeah. <laughs> so again... But these, we don't want to, I mean, you could do a nice char on them. That'd be fine. Yeah. You know, but these, because they're, you know, so beautiful and sweet, we got some nice uh, color to them and stuff like that. We're just going to do a gentle sauté. We're going to start with a little bit of oil, and we're going to start with a little bit of butter. Butter's a great base for flavor, but it's also a great indicator of when a a pan is ready to sauté in once that butter kind of melts down and starts to bubble up.
1: Who's that uh, chef, the last name Dean? Always loved butter. butter oh, man.
0: she's not a chef. <laughs>
1: She's not
2: a chef. She's a personality a with a cholesterol. Yeah, problems. And what was her
1: name, though? Paula Deen. Paula Deen. She fell off to her butter.
2: So the butter is bubbling, foamy, starting to actually kind of, like, brown just a little bit. So go ahead. Same process. Sure. Tilt it forward. And if you feel like your pan's getting away from you, pull it off the heat or turn the heat down. Okay? Okay. But again, layer it away from you. A little bit higher up. Yep. There you go.
1: This, is this how you were able to teach uh, to people at MCC? Or I? Uh, no, I a little bit more belligerent.
0: Is <laughs> <laughs> that in the kitchen? <laughs> you okay.
1: got it. A little more direct. We don't have right. time. There is not time uh, to No, you had like two and a half hours to get ready to
2: do this for two hundred people. Right. You know? It was a lot different. Yeah. So again, we're just kinda let it let it settle in. And if you're not comfortable shaking the pan and stuff, just use a spoon or tongs and just kinda spread that out. Right. You know, you don't have to do the flip,
1: you can just kinda you know Flip them over that way. Yeah, I would definitely say just about everything we learn through this podcast, comfortability is going to be the biggest thing to help you learn something. Yeah. The more comfortable you are digesting what you're doing.
2: And also, the more comfortable you are, not to interrupt you, yeah. but the more comfortable you are fucking up. Like, right. I tell cooks all the time, are like, well, I didn't want to fuck it up. It's like, it's okay. You're not going to learn. Right. Like, I'm not going to give you, like, a $40 or $40 a pound piece of elk to clean up and cook until you can cook a fucking vegetable right, right you know so fuck up the vegetable yeah and learn what you did because the yeah. principles of sautéing and searing are the same if it's broccolini or you know foie gras or, or goose liver or you know whatever you're doing you know so it's all the principles are the same so if you can't master for a vegetable which doesn't break my bottom line like a you know piece of whatever duck or something like that you know if the principles are the same. So master the principles. So again, we're going to
1: want to bay that stuff, give it just a little bit. There you go. The technique he's got already on the saltate. Beautiful. 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 Evenly coated. Love it. All right. A little bit of pepper. You're going to have to cook for me now. <laughs> Deal.
2: All right, and again, just give it a give it a stir. Always hold the the handle with the, the rag, and just try to try to flip it casually, slowly. There you go. Now we know once that's hot all the way through, it's done. It's ready to go.
1: Uh, I definitely think.
2: Uh, just from one visit with Shea, Matt's already a pro. Yeah, we're at a home we're
0: Look at that. So we're going to move oh. this out of the way. I'm pretty now.
2: We're going to check our, our potatoes. Okay. Got some nice browning. Skin starts, you can kind of see like it starts to like bubble yeah. a little bit, right? So yeah. those are good. a little soft. We're going to keep those warm. We're going to look at our steak. Here's the thing. Don't be too proud to use a meat thermometer. Okay. So again, you know, there's resources online to look at what temperature, internal temperature is what meat temperature, so medium, medium medium-rare. I like to do my medium-rare at 125. Because we talk about carryover cooking,
1: right, you're gonna it's let still
2: it rest. hot. It's going to take time for that to settle down. So during that time, that heat is residual. It's still cooking, right? right? So if it's 125, you let it rest for seven minutes or whatever. You know, chances are it's going to be closer to medium. So just keep that in mind. So you know, we do it by feel. I mean, that's perfect. So we're going to want to kind of uh, move it to like a, a room temperature pan that we have like right here so the rule of thumb for letting meat rest so let's say we cook that for about like 10 minutes you would say half the amount of time you cooked it you let it rest okay, Fine, okay? Don't touch it. so yeah so we're gonna let it rest because that's gonna like right now everything inside like on a molecular level the mouth is just bouncing around like crazy right so you cut into that all those molecules, all that blood, all that juicy, beautiful flavors are gonna run right the hell out. Right. So as that steak kind of settled down, that those molecules kind of settle down, and then when you slice into it, the meat's more relaxed, it's more gotcha. tender, it's more juicy from end to end, sure. not just in the middle. So that's why we want to let
0: that happen. That's the little stuff they don't teach you in home ec.
2: That's <laughs> a, that's that's the little stuff that's super hard in a restaurant when yeah. you've got like eighteen steaks on order, <laughs> all different temperatures. You're like, all right, when did this one go on? When did this one go Uh, on? uh, 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 uh. I'm selling table 34, and you're like, oh,
0: fuck! <laughs> yeah. uh, no, all right,
1: that's, so, that's, and my rule in my house is, uh, you, you get one extra cooking time when you're, if you're not happy, and that's it. Uh, <laughs> if I bring it out to you and go, that's a little too pink, all right, I will bring it back and cook it up a little longer. For you, but right. I felt real confident when I brought it to you that it was <laughs> As good as it was
2: gonna go. So now that pan that we cooked that steak in has so much awesome flavor in it. Yeah. It's going to be the perfect place to cook our mushrooms and our, our shallots. Right? Okay.
1: But there's a little
2: bit too much fat in there because we added oil, the fat from the steak. So take a mixing bowl, another pan, a pot a fucking can of beans that you emptied out, an empty can of beans, and pour your hot fat into that. Never down the sink, because you're going to have plumbing problems, never in the garbage, because it will burn the plastic bag, and your garbage will go all over the place. Let it cool, then discard it. Okay. So it's just all that empty fat, but on the bottom of the pan, you see all the seasoning with specks of beef and everything? Yeah. We call that fond. Fond. And our fond... Of thon, yeah, we are. Because that's flavor. So we're going to start with what's going to take longer. The shallots are going to take longer than the the uh, the mushrooms. So we're going to add our shallots in there. We're just going to do a gentle um, saute. Well, clothes, we scatter those around. And you want to give it enough time to to cook properly, you cook all the way through, for a couple different reasons. Texture. You don't want to bite into a raw shallot. Right. But if it's not cooked all the way through and nice and soft, you didn't extract all the flavor out of that vegetable, out of that shallot. So when you're layering your flavors and you're building, like, a sauce or just sauteed mushrooms or, you're, you know, making spaghetti sauce, even, cook all your onions all the way through. Then add your garlic. Cook that all the way through. And, and layer it in whatever takes the longest You start first. All right. And then build it from there. But give every ingredient its chance to get to its full potential. Basically is that. And here, I mean we already added salt to a lot of things, so we don't want to over salt anything. Uh, there's some salt in the pan, but if we were just starting off with just some shallots, I always like to add just a little sprinkle of salt into the pan. Because salt does what? It draws out the moisture. Exactly. So it helps it kind of cook a little bit quicker. Okay. But also infuses you know, uh, the pan I mean, makes it, the base layer of flavor, that's just more
1: pronounced. Dude, I felt like I was just in high school again where, like, I was actually paying attention in class, and then I <laughs> and they gave you the answer at some point during class, and sometimes you're like, I don't know if it's right, and then you take a chance, and you're like, oh, God. So you got your
2: gold star, man. You got your gold star. All right, so uh, shallots, want to make sure that they're softened all the way through.
0: That so good. Okay.
2: That browning that you're seeing that's the natural sugars in the shallots it's called caramelization okay alright so now we're going to compensate for how long the mushrooms are going to take shallots are nice and soft go ahead and add the add the mushrooms in and there's not a lot of fat in there so you, I don't think you need to necessarily tip the pan or, or be worried
1: brown food tastes good yes
2: yes black food not so much The mushrooms. Because mushrooms take um, they, they take a quick amount of time, but they have a lot of moisture in them. It's okay to increase the heat a little bit because okay. you still get some browning on them. Okay. But because of that, that moisture that expels from them, and it happens pretty rapidly with a mushroom, yeah. you can go and kind of jack the heat up a little bit. let like a a base caramelization start to happen uh, on the mushrooms. See that? He's cleaning up after himself. Yeah. I'm all grown up.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We're gonna get ready to serve the steak.
2: That comes over here. We got our
1: plate handy. Look at that steak. Think is Amy going to be asking you to cook? Probably still so, no, but to recreate, I can't surprise.
0: I can't surprise.
1: Well, she doesn't listen to the podcast. We already established. She listens this. to nothing. So this is a complete surprise to her.
0: So
2: now we have the. Uh, you got your sides all syrup. You're gonna start to stir those up. Sure. Probably got some nice coloration on the bottom. Yep. If it gets too hot for your hand, just, just turn on the heat. Or again, just move it away from the flame. Yeah, a little, little brown here right there. Right They're gonna benefit from the little, a little salt there, a little moisture, a little more pepper. See how when you move them, they instantly started getting kind of like softer. Yeah. Because when you agitate them, that's when they, 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 they the water and the vegetables decides to immediately expel. Right? So stirring them up that's going to help kind of cook. Yeah. But, but you want that nice browning, so that's why we didn't move them at first. Because that browning is going to help with the the flavor and make it a lot richer of a flavor. Again, we're just gonna finish that with a pat of butter.
1: <laughs> How cavalier he is, reaching in around flames.
2: as a little punk rock kid I just starting off in the, the kitchen and became a chef to prepare myself for hell. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's such a fucking dork. Uh, how long did it take you to feel really comfortable uh, as far as the mastery of being a cook, a chef?
2: I mean, it's, it's... I don't know. I would say probably 15 years, honestly, before I felt like but I'm never comfortable. I mean, because there's always something so see, new to learn. Is there, is, yeah, some new, I mean, is there any
0: aspects that you're most uncomfortable with? Um, or do you want to learn Well,
2: something? I mean, ethnically, I mean, because, like, outside of, like, America, like, food just means, like, so much more to people. Right. You know? So that's where it gets hard when you, you try to get into, like, authentic ethnic cuisine. Because it's so much more than a recipe. Yeah.
1: You
2: know, there's so much more meaning behind it and technique. And not only just, like like, skillful technique, but just... Techniques that are time honored. That it's not just about knowing how to cook. It's like knowing about a certain culture, right? And that's why I think like like cooking at a, a very high level is is fucking hard. Yeah. You know, you got to put yourself in, in in the shoes of someone that you know, or a place that you've never been. You know, and that's what's really really hard. What's the most uh,
0: difficult
1: dish you ever made? Um, honestly, probably like
2: i got to think about that. Probably going back, so, like, when I did, like, uh, culinary competitions for, like, the Culinary Federation and stuff like that, part of the uh, the ask was to go back to, so, like, there's a a chef called Escoffier. He was, like, the godfather of modern cuisine, right? Okay. So, like, we had to do, like, a traditional Escoffier recipe, and it was, like... Just the verbiage in the recipes are just, like, so hard to decipher. Everything's in metric, you know, things like that. So it was probably, like, back in those competition days when you had to do, like, a, a chicken breast with, that had literally, like, you cut little, in in like, slits in it and do pickled beef tongue. And it was, like, I forget the name of it, but it was, like, all in French. It was really, really fucking hard. It didn't even look that good. (laughs) And, like, stuff like that. So I'd probably, like, go to there. But, I mean, like, you know, Asian cuisine can be very um, difficult just simply because the ingredients might be hard to source and stuff like that. So there's so many different variables and stuff like that. But I I would say for the the home cook and stuff like that, the hardest thing is patience. Right. It's just patience and, like, we talk about comfortability and and things like that. It's being comfortable enough to move forward. But if you're following a recipe, comfort comes with reading that recipe all the way through instead of just step-by-step acting on the step and then moving on to the next one. Understand each step and then just kind of try to be more fluid with it. Gotcha. Now for the plating. Okay? Uh, We got our potatoes, still nice and warm. We got our broccoli. You know, we want to make this look nice. So, you know, building a plate is kind of like, you know, building a structure. We want things to look nice. We want to elevate it off the plate. We want dimension, but also we want it to react well. So as you're cutting through you know, the steak, you get the mushroom, you get a piece of potato. and it makes it easier for the end user to, to get a little bit of everything, right? So um, we're going to grab our side towel, grab your potatoes and your tongs. And you're going to plate this one up, big boy. All right. All right, so potatoes. So there's probably enough here for two or three, you know. So we're just going to do, I don't know, about the size of your fist or my fist.
0: Yeah, I was just a saying. a difference there. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, for the potatoes, we're just, yeah, move those right in the center of the plate. Right in the center? Because this is going to be, like, the, the base. We're going to kind of build everything off of
0: that. Okay.
2: Right, just one more. All right. All right, back to the stove. Keep that pan in, or the rag and tongs in hand. And you Grab your broccoli. Okay. All right, and we're going to kind of just, when we plate this... We want the flowerette sticking up one way. So you're going to kind of have to grab it and arrange it right on the potatoes. But don't hide the potatoes, you know? I think I got you. Uh-huh. Are these good
0: enough for me? Well, you just put them in your hands. It's okay. Yeah, yeah, they're not too hot.
2: Okay. As long as your hands are, are clean. Yes. All right. All right, I think that's enough for one, one portion. Sure. Right? So when... Return that back to the stove. All right, so now we got our, our steak. So a couple things with, with, with the steak. We have the fat cap that comes on this side. So sometimes we would pay attention to, like, the way someone eats. Never wanted them to cut through the fat cap, but, again, we're we're at home. So you're just going to grab your tongs and place that steak right up on that broccoli and the potatoes, kind of elevated a little bit off the plate. So we want this to kind of point up
0: like that. To like You're
2: good. That's good. good. Yep. All right. Keep your tongs. Keep your rag. And next is the mushrooms. you grab a couple of tongfuls of those and just kind of drape them over, maybe going from side to side right over the mushrooms. So that way you have your potatoes visible, you have your broccoli visible, you have your steak visible. The mushrooms are kind of cascading over the steak. They're part of it but still showing all of that technique that we worked so hard on. did good man yeah yeah looks thank good you so much absolutely i appreciate it well, let's dive in right, yep. yeah. All so right I'm this, grab some
1: this is and enjoying items. the fruits of your labor my Fry, friend. Fry, did you get a pick pick of that i did thank you sir do
2: the honors
1: go and enjoy this delicious dinner that Matt and Chef Shea Zapia have prepared. Uh, Just want to give everyone a a chance to uh, join in on the fun here, and uh, I'm going to tell you to, if you want to be a guest on my show, email me at F-I-N-C-H-B-1984 at gmail.com. All right, everyone... you know, you, you know, that wants to, and I'm just along. I'm down. I'll talk to anybody. Uh, come with an idea, something you want to learn, something that you know nothing about. You could even say that uh, you know shit about, and uh, we'll, we'll teach you We're, we're going to bring in an expert. We'll match up with your demands. And, uh, Matt, how's that stick? He's, he's up in another world right now. <laughs>
0: this is everything I hoped for in that summer This is really, really good.
1: So follow along uh, all the great shows at uh, the BICBP-radio.com websites. Nice. Check them out. There's a podcast for everyone out there. Yeah, so if you never gotten into it before, do that now. And uh, come back for the next episode. And uh, honestly, guys, we all can admit that we just don't know shit. We uh, just finished eating and uh, wanted to make sure how thankful she understands I am for uh, going out of his way, staying here for an extra long birthday, (laughs) and uh, showing us how to better cook for our loved ones. Matt, how do you feel about your lesson?
0: I learned, yeah, I learned a ton. Literally everything he taught me, I learned. I, I really, like I said, I really wasn't trained how to cook ever taught how to cook ever and like just even the, the little details went so far yeah. so like like letting the, the, the meat sit out for till room temperature because that's the best way to cook it and prep it and all that stuff that's and, and everything little in between so very cool now you know a little shit there there go. yeah and I know little now we know a
1: little shit <laughs> thanks Shay honestly this was awesome I mean
2: absolutely absolutely anytime guys <laughs>